Welcome to Chinuch Today with Rabbi Yerachmiel Garfield, where we highlight innovative ideas and inspiring people from the world of Chinuch. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chinuch Today. Excited to introduce you to yet another amazing program with a very inspiring person behind it. And that is the program called Darchenu, which is run by Mrs. Shira Berkowitz. As you will hear, Darchenu is a supplemental educational program not focused on the meat and potatoes, if you will, of Chumash Rashi or math and language arts, but rather the soft skills of maturity, of growing, of development that we hope all of our students will have. In recent years, the education community has come to realize that there are many skills that although some children do get them through osmosis and through just their own natural experiences, many children need explicit instruction to really master those soft skills such as patience, how to deal with a difficult personality, how to deal with frustration or frustrating situation. And what the educational community has learned, both in the secular world and in the yeshiva community, is that we could develop specific curriculum that could be employed in schools as a supplement. As you'll hear, this particular program is designed to be done 40 minutes a week. That focuses the children on learning these skills and makes a tremendous difference on their ability to live successful lives, both as children and as adults. And what I love about Darcheno is it saw this development in the world of social sciences, in the world of social work, as Mrs. Berkowitz was originally, and said, how do we bring this thing that's doing such great work amongst the broader non-Jewish community into our schools? And over the years, his design developed and improved a curriculum to make it matim and fitting for our needs, but taking the best that is available amongst the broader community and the non-Jewish educational opportunities. So they've mined programs from different universities and different national programs and taken those programs and incorporate them into Darcheno, which is a subsidiary of Amudim, by the way, which is an amazing, amazing organization that maybe we'll get to someday. And they've really developed this curriculum that's now in, I believe she said, 60 schools where children are learning the skills they need to develop. So it's a pleasure to introduce you to Mrs. Shira Berkowitz so you can hear about this dynamic program that is, again, taking the best that is available in the world and making sure it fits the needs of our community. Mrs. Berkowitz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So first, just tell us, like, where do you live and what do you do every day? I live in Chicago. I was born here. Um, I convinced my husband from Brooklyn to move back here with me after living and working in New York for 14 years. Oh, wow. Good for you. You'll have to share with others the secret of how to get your husband to move to your hometown. Husband from Brooklyn is the key word. Okay. Yeah, I hear that. I definitely hear that. Um, And what do I do every day? So I have seven children, Baruch Hashem. So I I keep very busy um, with my family. Um, and I have a lot of extended family here, parents, grandparents, siblings. So that's really, really nice and why we moved back here. And then professionally, 95% of the time, um, I do Darchenu. And we'll talk more about that. But I really love, I'm the director of Darchenu and RPF SEO. And then very part-time, um, I'm a licensed clinical 
social worker. I do see clients um, a couple hours a week as well. Awesome. Okay, so bring us back. So you you went to school in Chicago, and I guess you went to some seminary of some sort, and then came back. I'm just guessing here. Came back, got married, and then we're teaching. How did your career in Chinook start? Was it teaching, or we went straight to social work, or? So that's a great question. Um, so since since high school, I decided that I wanted to be a high school social worker. That was really my passion. I don't know how I figured that out. People were always coming to me to talk to me. My aunt did that. Um, I loved my high, my high school social worker. I, I was never, ever going to teach. That was not. My mother, who is one of my mentors, was a principal. So, But I was never going to be like her, you know, when I was in high school. Of course, now I'm, you know, exactly like her. I look up to her in so many ways. But I came back. I did go to seminary. And when, as soon as I came back and I started college here in Chicago in the Furman School TI, my best friend's mother was the principal of a Hebrew high school. And she twisted my arm and begged me to come. So a couple of classes, Sunday mornings, teaching public school students, and I fell in love with teaching Kirov. So kind of a little bit going in that direction. Okay. And then so you were doing that while you were doing the social work? So I was I was in school. I was in undergrad, um, and then I continued to social work school back then. There were no from all women options um, for when I wanted to go into social work. I went locally. University of Illinois, Chicago, with another another firm friend of mine, which is great to have each other there. When I finished, I actually got married right after I finished and moved to New York. My first job was at OHA. Like a lot of people started OHA, I did that for a year, and then I kind of fell into this. This this was starting off just then, and really about the history, and I could tell you more about that. But you went from OHA to Darkeno. So it wasn't Dar- there wasn't Darchenu back then, but the concept of a social emotional learning curriculum in Jewish schools started in 2003. There wasn't really, Darchenu, and there wasn't even the term social emotional learning back then. Back then, we called it prevention skills. Um, Who was having this conversation? Was this an OL conversation or not? Not even related. I was leaving OHA. I was expecting my first child, and I couldn't do the night hours anymore. And mm-hmm. I was looking to go back to being a school social worker. That was always my dream. I was looking to the public schools. And what happened is, you know, in terms of like history, going back for a second, yeah. this idea and from schools in 2002, a young adult in the Flappish community, I think he was about 19 years old, overdosed on drugs and died. And unfortunately, today, I feel like it doesn't even make the news, unfortunately. But back then, that really was like a huge chunk to the community and the community got together and they said, what are we doing about this? So on the one hand, you know, one of the first Jewish addiction clinics was open back then, but then they decided, they looked at the research and they said, you know, what's really going to prevent our children from becoming drug addicts and really from any unhealthy behavior is prevention skills. And the research all points to that direction. So they started writing um, the program and implementing a couple of the Flappish schools in 2003. Who's the they? Who who are those leaders? Um, Who are those wise, impressive thoughtful, educated, uh, dedicated leaders who came up with this? Um, so back in the day, this was, this was the Syrian community. Okay. Um, the supervisor from Mohal had actually left and was writing, was asked to write this curriculum. So when she heard I was planning on leaving anyway, she knew my teaching background and I love teaching. I love social work. And she's like, Shira, this is, this is perfect for you. I was the first teacher hired. And I actually, this friend that I went to graduate school with, her name is Khadvi Parrish. She's like a big time therapist in Lakewood now, but she's from Chicago. Ryan Morgenstern was Rashiva back then mm-hmm. in Chicago. She went to grad school with me and I called her up because I have a school in Deal, New Jersey. And she was in Lakewood and I said, Khadvi, I have a job for you. 
And she she taught, we were the first teachers hired and we did it for many, many years together. Like Who was that supervisor that brought you in? Um, Laura Limond is her name. She lived in okay. the South. I'm not really in touch with her. Okay, but, but she was the original community. leader of it? The first No, no, she was, no. The, the, the leader was Ike Dweck. It was a Syrian community. Ike Dweck is the director of SAFE. We post him to this day. Um, mm-hmm. I think it started under SBH, but um, the SAFE Foundation is um, the original. Wow. Okay, so you became a teacher and also... You have to figure out what to do, right? It's like, which program do you do and how do you adapt it? And how did you do all that? How well, they started, the State Foundation started this program. They hired two people to write. The other person hired to write back in the day was Tamar, um, Tamar Sheffi. She's now the social worker in MTA. Um, okay. And I'm talking to her still to this day, trying to bring our path STL, which is the more modern version of Zarchenu. There's, we'll talk about that. There's two parallel curriculums. Um, so they wrote it, and then I—I I was the first. I was teaching. I was teaching Yeshiva Flapush and Mag and David. Did they base it on a secular program, or they wrote it from scratch? Do you know? How no, it? yeah, it was. Ba- it was based on many secular programs. Primarily, the concepts are from the Botvin Life Skills Program. A lot of it is based on that in terms of the structure, um, the skills that it covers: social skills, personal skills, um, and resistance skills. Um, but then they took, you know, different pieces. There was a whole back in the day, you know, a whole body image piece that was from Harvard, you know, eating disorders. There's many pieces from different places that were all sourced and, you know, appropriately. Did they add Jewish content to it right away? Like, was that part of their? So it was created to be taught in a Jewish school, but a more modern school. So it was culturally very Jewish. Yeah, it had, it had you know, it had, it had Shabbat in there and references and all, you know, things like that. Yeah. What's sort of good about taking pieces from established curriculum is generally they're research-based in a way that you know they're going to be effective, right? Because they did it with thousands of kids and collected feedback, and they know that these pieces work, you know, opposed to when you just cook it up in your own bathtub, you don't know, you know, you think it's good, but you can't really guarantee it's going to be effective. Right. You know, if you look, if you look on our website, and we'll get into, you know, more about Darchenu soon. Yeah. Um, but if you look on Darchenu's website or our path SEL website or on our brochures, it shows all the stats and the statistics for an SEL course for students who take an SEL, a social emotional learning course, as opposed to students who do not. It's really crazy what it does on every single realm. The students scored higher, less in therapy, less on drugs, low, lower rates of divorce. Better rates getting into like top colleges, higher grades, better. So literally at every single level, students do much better. Where is that do. research coming out of? Is there like a certain college or think tank in America that's like the SEL Mecca? Do you know? Like where who's really into um, this? A lot of places are very in, into this. Um, Castle is one of the biggest companies. We're actually working with them to officially become evidence-based. We're based on evidence-based, but we're working with them with the research to fulfill the, their parameters so that we can be officially um, considered an evidence-based program. That specific research study, I think it's from Columbia. Okay, cool. So you're we're still 20, 19 years ago or 18 years ago. You're teaching, you and your friend are teaching this course that's fresh. And then what happened? How did you, how did that evolve into Darchenu and you being the director? Okay. I loved it. I really found like I found my passion. This was something new, something different. There were not probably any from people, you know, doing this. And I decided, you know, over the course of a couple of years, I really decided that my mission is to get this to every single Jewish child, you know, in the world. Wow. 
I became, you know, I did it for many years. I was a social worker while I taught in some of the schools. Um, and then I became director in 2010. And I asked my boss, you know, what do you think about selling it to other schools? I know you create it for your community, but every Jew child needs us. And he said, okay, go for it. Wow. That's when you've coined Darchenu? Because I don't remember it being around as Darchenu. No. So I started, okay, so it was it was under the Safe Foundation for many years. And then a bunch of years ago, I had heard that Amudim, Tzvigok from Amudim, and they were, they were being asked to, you know, they were really becoming a force that really does something that really gets stuff done and really was helping Kali Yisrael and continues to do so in an incredible way. And they were being asked, I think maybe by Torah Masor, by various, you know, people from the community, Askanen, to get prevention skills or SEL into the Jewish day schools because we really needed it. I'm not sure how I knew that. I know Tzviglok. We were neighbors with them. We lived in Queens. My husband's friends with them. We dabbed in the same show. Somehow I found out and I said, Svi, before you hire people to write a whole curriculum, why don't I show you what we have? It, it was, you know, it was 2000 pages back then. Now it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I showed it to him and he was blown away. It took, it took a little while, you know, to negotiate, but the Safe Foundation was happy to, you know, continue working theirs for their, you know, smaller insular Syrian community. And I moved him was tasked to take on and, and myself to take on the rest of the world. So we created two parallel programs. You know, we continue with, you know, the former one um, and changed it to RPF SEL. And really have, we've been rewriting that entirely. And that's for more community schools, modern Orthodox schools. And then Darchenu, um, we completely rewrote from scratch, you know, taking these concepts, but totally adding Torah, Marei Chazal, Hashkafa, um, all the scenarios, you know, taking out some of the heavier drug stuff and the, the technology, just really making it um, so it's really catered to the needs of our yeshiva, Spesiakos, Chadarim. And we had our value of Brunny's bracha and guidance, you know, every step of the way. And then we brought it to our Hill David um, and his rabbits and went through the curriculum as well to get the endorsement of the Bada Rosh Yeshiva Torah Masora. Wonderful. The, who's behind it besides, do you have a, a like lay leadership, a board, or is this all on you? So, I mean, the Amudim board, Amudim is, we would not be, this is, this is all Amudim. Amudim is the backbone of, of us. Um, Maram Langry is our clinical director, and she really pushes us forward and speak like Who doesn't know? Okay, so you have the Amudim. I'm wondering if you're just out on your own. It's a lot. No, no, no. This is all Amudim. This is Amudim. Um, so th- since 2010, it's basically transitioned quickly from you taking over and becoming an Amudim project, essentially. Yeah, it happened, that happened in 2019, I want to say, where the transition happened. And it became oh. Amudim. Amudim bought the entire thing in two, um, 2019. Got it. Okay, 2019. Um, okay. But I have an incredible team that that works with me. And without them, I would not have been able to do any of this. Rabbi Avi Landa, who's a social worker in, in Mashkia from sure. Baltimore, he's the one who wrote the Kedusha curriculum. And, you know, someone mentioned his name. I went to his website and was watching him teaching classes in TA where he works in Baltimore. He was teaching classes on feelings, on substances. And I'm like, this, you know, this, I, I found someone else from who's passionate about this. Rabbi Israel Grossberg, who is, he, he was very, he's very involved in Ornava. He's the principal of, I think, you know, the, the two seminaries. Um, and a very, he was principal voice, a very well-known Chanach person and had a lot of involvement with, and still does, with teens struggling. So he's kind right. of our Chanach like Chanach piece. So that, that is my, without the two of them, there would be no. Got it. I, I want to get back to like the, what the it is, because I, I think sometimes people in education, like you and I, like we know what SEL is, we know what we're talking about, but maybe some people listening wouldn't have as good of an understanding. So can you give us a paragraph or two about what is SEL and what is 
the objective of this of this curriculum? Sure. A social emotional learning curriculum is a curriculum to teach students the skills they need to be healthy, happy, productive, and in our world to be from and to be happy being from. We teach skills like having a healthy self-esteem, recognizing peer pressure, how to say no to peer pressure, emotion management, body image, feeling good about yourself, how to eat healthy, what exercise is good for you, setting goals, making healthy decisions, understanding the negative consequences of vaping, drinking alcohol. What's the difference between a fight situation with a friend and bullying, what I'm bullying, how to prevent bullying how to have healthy friendships, social skills, communication skills. Is there a piece for like sexual abuse prevention? I know Amudim is like, that's one of their things. Is that part of it or is that a separate program? Okay, it, it is absolutely part of it. So we start, you know, we, we go, we run fifth through 12th grade. And the reason why we start in fifth and so many schools are asking us, you know, to bring the curriculum down and we will, as soon as we feel like, you know, there's many, many different things we're always working on, but we do plan on writing downward. But the reason why we started with fifth is because there are secular programs that schools can use in K through four. But once you hit middle school, the secular programs are not going to work even for very left-wing Jewish schools in today's day and age. In terms of sexual abuse piece, so starting in fifth grade, already we, um, we talk about safety, healthy boundaries, all those things. And we really, we've added a lot more since that, you know, very publicized situation last year. We really felt like we we took a good look at our curriculum and we said, you know what? We usually cover topics every other year um, at a more mature level. So really build, each topic builds. So if you're doing like, you know, feelings 101, then you're going to build and go on a deeper level, you know, throughout throughout the eight grades. But we felt like this topic is that important. Every other year is not enough. It needs to be every single year. I'm talking about healthy boundaries and safety and all these things. So, yes. And is it, meaning, do you feel that's sufficient for a school, if they have your program, that they're doing what they need to do in terms of sexual abuse, safety, and awareness? Because I know there are programs that just do that. That's why I'm asking. You know, there are programs that just focus on that. Right. And you focus on a lot more. I'm just wondering, like, as a school leader, is your program enough and you get everything and you get that? So, hey, you know. Okay, so that, that's a great question. So I'm going to start by saying that, you know, statistically, um, the research shows that a comprehensive SEL program does a lot, lot more than a one-time program, um, specifically with sexual abuse. The research shows that kids who had a one-time sexual abuse program really did not report if something happened. Mm-hmm. They didn't say no, run away if someone approached them. Because if you think about it, so they have this one-time thing, but they don't have the self-esteem. They don't have the assertiveness skills. They don't have the peer pressure reversal skills. They don't have everything else. So a comprehensive SEL where you cover everything will help much more than that. Now, when it comes to this topic, I think whatever schools do is awesome. So if you're able to do this one-time thing, then that's great. It's 100% better than nothing. I think that every school needs a safety kid, Mugginley, whichever program they're using, every school needs a program K through four, 100%. Most of those, there aren't programs out there um, for sexual abuse that really cover, that do middle school and high school. So that's where we fit in. I don't think it hurts as a supplement to our program to bring in speakers, to have assemblies. And that's something Amudim does also alongside the program. I, I don't think there can be, you know, too much in a way. And one more thing also in terms of sexual abuse prevention, there has to be a, a mental health professional in every school. There has to be somewhere to go. Right. Got it. Thank you. And um, just tell us like the amount of time commitment 
like how much curriculum is it? Like it's every other week for half an hour. What's the, you know, what does the curriculum look like in a school? So our pro- our curriculum is thousands of pages. What's really nice about it is that it's not like, you know, discuss this and gives you bullets, but it's literally step-by-step every single thing. Say this. And every teacher has to make it their own, but it includes it includes videos if you want, you know, for schools that won't show videos, there's, it's always optional. There's another option. Um, worksheets, group work, it includes every single thing you need. Um, it's designed ideally to be taught once a week for about 40 minutes, but schools that can't make that time commitment, we work with them. We train every teacher. We supervise every teacher. We work with every single school. So if you're yeah. telling me I could do an eight-week block, fine. Let's choose the most important eight sessions for your school, and let's do that. You could do every other week. Let's work with that. Tell me about the training, because I think that's a really special component of what you guys do, that you don't just give the curriculum. You have you know, serious training and support. So tell us about what your training looks like and the support and how that goes. Sure. Yeah, that's a really important component of what we do. I don't believe in handing someone, you know, a binder and saying, here, you know, best of luck. You know, some schools and some teachers are fantastic and they'll run with it. But I find sometimes, you know, the schools that don't communicate as well with us, they kind of get lost. Trouble happens. They don't troubleshoot with us and it's not happening. It doesn't work. And I say, well, this didn't work. And I said, well, you didn't. You didn't respond to my emails. You didn't have supervision. So we do a training. We used to do it in person back in the day. And now since COVID, you know, for better or for worse, we do it on Zoom. So, you know, I've run six women's trainings this year so far. And I've had people from Florida, California, New York, New Jersey, Virginia. I mean, all over Israel on the same Zoom. It takes about it's about two to three hours, the initial training. And then supervision can either be individual or group. And depending on how many classes are teaching, what they need would be anywhere from every week to once a month for about about a half hour. Does a teacher need any special training to be a facilitator or it could be any any qualified teacher you'll be happy to so it could be any qualified teacher but the dream teacher is someone that um, has mental health or education background and experience in the other and the personality to really connect with the students to be comfortable talking about all these topics the students really look up to the person and want to be like that person like we always recommend a female teaches the females and a male teaches the males really represents the hashkafa of the school. So it's kind of... It has to be the right fit. Yeah, it has to be the right fit. What are some of the hashkafa, shilas, questions that have come up that you've really needed to think about with Tastara or just internally, where you weren't sure if you should include it or not, or sensitivities that you think you really got to think through? Does anything come to mind? Um, two of these come to mind. One is, you know, my gross work sat with her, Bernie, you know, for a long time going through, you know, a whole list of questions, you know, at the beginning and then throughout videos was a big question. We got very specific parameters, what types of videos we can show in our schools. What do you mean? What would be a video that's not appropriate? I mean, we're never going to show videos with girls in it in boys schools. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, we're not going to show in girls schools, girls that are not dressed native. So do you have to produce your own videos then essentially? So that is our plan. Yeah, our plan is that we want to create our own. We have, you know, some of the Charlie Hara. We have some Jewish videos there that we use. We have some, like, if they're documentaries or some animated, like comics, like, you know, comic people, like animals, animated animals talking, let's say. But our hope is to create our own videos. Got it. Um, okay. We're waiting for funding for that, certainly. Another example I could think of came up last year at the Tormasara Convention. There was a principal from a certain school that didn't like I think it was in a feelings unit, and I think the example, I think there was a pasuk about one of the shvatim, someone being jealous. 
Maybe it was what the Shvatimik jealous of um, Yosef. I don't remember exactly what it was, but a principal felt like, how can you say that, that he was jealous? How can you bring, you know, Torah in that mm. way? It's putting them down. So we sat with Revelia and he said, um, it's apicarsus not to include the Torah. I mean, that's in the Torah. Like, I can't, I can't quote publicly exactly what he said because I'm not, I'm not good at that. Hundred wow. percent. If it's in the Torah, we're supposed to take an example from it. We're supposed to learn from it. And these feelings are normal. You have to say wow. to the right way with the right Ashkafa. That's why you need someone in Ashkafa, the school and a front person, you know, to start to be teaching Darkenu. But he said 100% that's wow. kept in the program. Very powerful. Do you find that schools are eager to embrace it? And what are some of the things that hold schools back from, in your experience, from signing up? Financial. The time commitment. Being different if the schools in their area don't have it yet. Something. Okay, so with the financial one, um, I assume it's a nonprofit operation, right? So yes. I assume it's a reasonable financial commitment. Is that right? Yeah, it's definitely non-for-profit and it's definitely reasonable. And beyond that, what we've been able to do in the last couple of years is become vendors in many states um, and be able to qualify for either Title II or Title IV funding. And one of, you know, we work with the school to figure that piece out. I think we so you've been able to get government funding for a lot of schools, which is really wonderful. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer in terms of the efficacy of the program. You commit 40 minutes every week or every other week, and you're really able to give kids tools for life that really are impactful. Is the perception that a good Rebbe and a good Torah experience is sufficient that you get to these issues anyway? Have you heard that at all? I've heard everything probably. Okay. Um, but, and you know, and, and some will say like, well, this is the job of the parents to give this over. And it certainly is. Um, and back in the day, maybe parents did a better job on that, but I think we're all busy. You know, my, I, myself, I try very hard to give my children, you know, these, everything that I, that I preach, but when they have Darkenu in their school, um, I'm thrilled. Yeah. And is there a parent component? What kind of communication goes to parents around it? Okay, great question. So we send, we give every school parent letter to send out at the beginning of the year to just to let them know that this is starting and what it is. Um, but one piece that we added this year, um, is a parent letter for each unit. So as soon as you finish, you know, the unit on feelings, you send this letter home and say, hi, you know, fifth grade, we just finished this unit on feelings. We covered, you know, these topics. These are some of the key words. Please continue this conversation with your child. Um, oh, we've definitely you, you getting good feedback from that? It just started. I don't think anyone's gotten the first letter yet because the way Yonta fell out, probably no one has finished the unit yet. But the okay. teachers and the principals who are all asking for this are really excited. I wonder what the research says about that. Uh, you would think that if the parents are able to reinforce it at home, it would make a huge difference. But um, I don't know the letter is going to be enough. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We've done parent programs also or joint student parent programs. But it's hard. It's hard to get parents to come. I think these days on Zoom is helpful, but that's definitely another piece that would certainly help. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe if you had, you know, in the beginning, if parents are interested, this is what we're going to cover, and you should appreciate it and buy into it, and maybe some activities for home. Maybe, maybe it sounds like you guys are certainly a growing organization, so I am sure you will figure out how to. How to do that? Speaking of growing, so are you? You're, do you, you're in a lot of schools. You feel like that more and more schools are signing up. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Um, this, you know, COVID. We started in 2019, so really COVID hit. You know, at the beginning of 
our first year. So that was really hard. Um, we had to write, we wrote like a bunch of units for COVID specifically to kind of help get everyone through. And then when they transition back to school, that's, we're always changing, we're always evolving. We see a need, we fill it, we write new materials, um, which was, what is amazing about my team. But we are growing very rapidly. This year has been really intense. We, I think we have about 20 new schools that signed up already. Wow. Um, by now, I think we're in, I just did the numbers for the Tarmasara conference. We'll be there. Um, I think it was, a, I think we're in 14 states. And about 60 schools between Arpath SEL and Darchenu. Um, we're in Arts Israel now doing a pilot program in a couple seminars and yeshivas, kind of like a post-high school program, wow. helping to talk about dealing with life in a healthy way. Um, we're in Canada. We're in the middle of working on a school in England. They're about to. So yeah, we are growing very rapidly. It's hard. It's hard. We're trying to, we need to grow our staff. Your dream is to be in every school, every Jewish child, I believe you said. So that that's uh, going to keep you yeah. busy. Yes. And uh, that's wonderful. And you mentioned earlier, I just want to flesh it out a little, that there's two curriculums. So you used to have the Archeinu, which was oriented for the more yeshivish schools, and now you have Our Path? Is that what you said? Yeah, the translation of the Archeinu. Our yeah. Path, SEL, Social and Emotional Learning, and that is for modern Orthodox or the community schools. Which is really how it started originally. It sounded like it started with the more modern Orthodox vibe, moved over to the right now, back over to the left to get everyone, I guess. Now we want to cover. We want every single school to feel like this. This works for them. We actually also, in terms of growth, we have our first unit translated into Yiddish. Um, nice. So we are working to create a Yiddish program for the for the Hasidic schools that want Yiddish. And I assume that it's not only translating, but it's also adapting. Yeah. And, and yes, she uh, said I have to change a lot of the scenarios. Right. That okay? I said yes, absolutely. One thing we didn't um, fully cover are the goals. You know, I think we said that the goal is to arm students with the skills to be healthy people. But there are two other goals of the program that I think it's really important to mention. Yeah, now's a good time to, yeah. And those are really about the teacher. One is to create a safe environment in the classroom. We really talk in the training how to do that. And it's a place where everyone feels comfortable sharing um, and giving their opinions and sharing, you know, their own personal situations. And that they feel really comfortable and safe sharing with their teacher in and outside of class. Like we're hoping that there's a bridge, you know, then they talk to the teacher outside of class. And the last one is that we find that our teachers are able to red flag students and get them help faster than your typical teacher who's focused, you know, on getting through the Homish curriculum and the math curriculum because of the things we're talking about and the openness of the conversation, you know, to either bring them to the school guidance or to, which is often them, which is a great bridge, um, or to send them for outside help. So those are definitely two more goals of the program. Amazing. Amazing. And I, if people want to find out more about it or they want to be in touch to inquire about it for their school, how would they get in touch with you or what's the best way to find out more? You can go to our website, darchenu.org. They can email me, info at darchenu.org. That comes to me. Okay. Um, on our website is our phone number as well. But yeah, best way. Okay, wonderful. And final question, as uh, I'd like to ask, if you were given a million dollars and with the, with the mandate to... Positively impact Chinuch in America, how would you spend that money? So again, from my perspective, there are many ways to spend the money, but, you know, from my, as a clinical social worker and doing SEL involved with this, because there are many other ways to spend it, you know, for Torah. And other but from, you know, in, in my, my professional realm, you know, what I deal with, I was thinking maybe giving stipends to the schools for the teachers, because we're able to get government money right now in many states for that to, to cover the cost of the program. But then the school still has to pay the teacher. So if we can cover the cost of the teachers and get like the best teachers and most fantastic teachers, maybe have our own, you know, army of Darachinu and Arpeth SEL teachers, our own teachers, um, that would be pretty cool. 
I hear that. It's a great idea because they'd be committed to it. They'd become more proficient in it year after year. I know some schools probably switch the person and, you know, just uh, it's hard to get that continuity yeah. going. And it's, I, I taught thousands of girls for, for eight years, you know, and these girls are married and they're still, they're still calling me. It's very, very wow. powerful. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to cover before we wrap up that you feel we didn't uh, get to about the program or anything else? One really quick one. We can end with a really nice story. Great. Um, I had a student a long time ago, and one of the things we cover in the twelfth grade is red flags. You know, signs to look for when you're when you're dating someone. You know, for control and abuse. And yes, they're not dating in twelfth grade, but we hope something sticks because who knows if they're going to get it when they start dating a couple years down the road. I once got a call to my office. Someone looking for me. I called her back. She had graduated like five years before, and she said, "Do you remember you went over with us? You know those those signs to look for." I'm dating someone. Can you go over it with me? And mm. I did. We went over it. And she's like, thank you so much. I need to break up with him. Wow. I saw her, I saw her a few months later um, in the school. She was there picking up her younger sister. And I said, so-and-so, what's doing? She's like, I'm engaged. I gave her a big hug. And I said, tell me about him. She said, Mrs. Berkowitz, he treats me like a princess. Wow. It's saving lives. There's no doubt we are saving lives. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you for being an early adopter. You've brought this, you've really shepherded this idea for for 20 years, you know, and brought it so far. And Mirza Shem will see it continue to grow and reach all the kids that you're hoping to reach. I think it's a great program. Amen. Thank you so much for this opportunity. All the best. I hope everyone enjoyed getting to know Mrs. Berkowitz and the Darchenu program. Take a look at their website. You can learn a lot more about the program and all the different aspects of it. It's a wonderful website. really gives you a full idea. And I could say as a school that uses Darchenu here in Houston, that it's a extremely effective program, very easy to use. They give you a lot of good support, and it really could make a difference to our students in some very important areas. So I encourage you to take a look at that and see if it's something that might be beneficial to you and your children. Thank you so much for joining us. Please Send any questions, comments, thoughts, or any ideas for great guests to chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. That's chinuchtodaypodcast at gmail.com. This is your Achmiel Garfield wishing you a wonderful day.